Hey there, Hacker Public Radio. My name is Nightwise. You can find me on uh, nightwise.com or K-N-I-G-H-T-W-I-S-E.com. And I'm very honored and happy to be doing another episode of Hacker Public Radio. Um, I am un- in the moment, uh, at the moment, cruising through the uh, country of Belgium on my way home on my daily commute underneath a beautiful blue sky with a beautiful bright sun and 19 degrees Celsius outside which is a very, very good temperature for the month of April. Yep, it's only April and still we have this great weather outside, so it's, I, I'm really happy. But there are other people that are also happy because it's April. Now, they don't really care about the weather. For their sake, it could be minus 34 degrees, raining liquid nitrogen as they would be standing outside dressed only in pink pajamas. They wouldn't care because April is a good month and a nice month for a totally different reason for them. And we all might even have an inkling why that is. Because Ubuntu is the fourth month of the year, and the fourth month of the year does not only herald spring, because that's the third month of the year, but it heralds a new release in the Ubuntu release cycle. And this month, Ubuntu Jaunty Jackalope is uh, coming your way and that is a great reason to rejoice. So it's always, uh, always a nice time of year. It doesn't matter what weather it is. It's sunshine, so that's a bonus. Now, whenever the um, new release of Ubuntu is coming up, you start seeing articles pop up all over the place uh, on Dig uh, or on Slashdot or on various blogs, posing us one question. Is Linux, is Ubuntu Linux, ready for the desktop? Well, that's a good and a valid question. And there has been a lot of debate about that. A lot of people have been on the forums and on blogs and commenting about whether or not Ubuntu Linux is ready for the desktop. Well, 50% of those people would be probably making those comments using a Windows machine. So I don't think that these people really count as valid votes. Uh, The question whether or not Ubuntu is ready for the desktop can only be answered by the fact that you will use Ubuntu on your desktop and forgo any other operating systems on that machine. That's the only way that you can try it, that's the only way that you can test it, and that's the only way that you can give a valid answer to the question, is Ubuntu ready for the desktop? So a lot of armchair strategists will sit there in their Windows-powered environments going like, Ubuntu is not ready for the desktop. Yeah, have you tried it? Have you tried really hard? Did you look? I mean, there's a lot of debate going on about that, and every release, Ubuntu Linux will come a little bit closer to being ready for the desktop, but for me personally, Ubuntu is ready for the desktop. I've been using Ubuntu as a desktop system for, I think, about a year now, and uh, since, I think, yeah, yeah, I've been using it for two years now, and uh, since uh, one year I have... uh, well, eradicated all Windows systems from my home, and I am working only with Ubuntu systems and the occasional Mac here and there. So to me, the question has been answered. For me, Ubuntu is ready for the desktop. Whether or not we're going to have Jaunty at the end of the month, it's ready for me. But there's one more question. Is Ubuntu Linux ready for the corporate desktop? 
okay, it's ready for you at home, you know, basically surfing and uh, sending emails and uh, doing some uh, photo editing and stuff like that and having hours and hours of time to rummage through forums to get things working and not really giving a damn if the whole thing crashes four times in one night, that's not really a problem. But the question is, how about the corporate environment? Is Ubuntu Linux ready for the company? Well, to that question, I have when I went out and sought an answer because to me it was important. The place where I work, I'm an IT consultant. Uh, we have a desktop policy that basically says everybody's responsible for his or her own desktop. You can put on there what you want. You can do with it what you want as long as you abide to company rules. Don't install illegal software. Make sure that you're running that kind of virus scanner and don't come uh, pestering the help desk if you have support. If you go to the help desk in my company, they give you the recovery CDs of your laptop and you are off. I mean, that's the level of support that you get. We get high, a high degree of responsibility over our own systems, a high degree of uh, independence and creativity in using our computers. But if something is uh, borked up, we have to fix it ourselves. So I was uh, at the water cooler talking to a colleague of mine when suddenly he mentioned that he was using Mandriva Linux on his system as a primary computer as a primary operating system. So I asked him, are you allowed to do that? Yeah, sure, we're allowed to do that as long as you can you know, get your stuff done and uh, have everything, uh, have uh, all the documents available to you that you want available to you and you can basically get a uh, working, day, uh, working day's work done in one working day. Well, that's okay. It doesn't matter what you use. So uh, our, our chief uses a, a Mac and uh, we have some uh, Vista users out there and we have we had one Linux guy. So I decided I couldn't leave it up to him. I asked my boss and I asked him whether or not it would be cool uh, for me to run Ubuntu Linux. Uh, I would give them a dual boot scenario so I could always switch back should I have any problems because I need to get my work done. That's the most important part. But for them, that was okay. So started the great experiment of running Ubuntu Linux in a corporate environment. Now, there are some prerequisites to all of this. If you want to go ahead and do this, make sure that you have some things really, really worked out. A. Make sure that you know what you do during a working day. Make sure that you know, for me, that's personally a lot of email, uh, instant messaging, um, being able to access our web portals, and uh, basically processing uh, office documents like Word and Excel and stuff like that. Pretty basic stuff. Now, Make a good analysis of what you do, and if anything that you have to do in your daily routine does not fall into the category that is immediately um, doable using Linux, forget about it. For me, I went uh, over the whole thing that I did. I I said like, okay, I've got a connection to Exchange. Can I do that? Yes, you can. I need a connection to our LDAP server with the whole directory access. Can I do that? Yes, I can. I need to be able to connect to some Samba shares. Can I do that? Yes, I can. I need to work with Office Documents. Can I do that? Well, they're DOCX and XLS uh, format. Okay, OpenOffice 
0.0 can do that. And so I ticked off the list of everything that I needed to do and I went looking for a solution whether or not it would be doable using Linux. Now there were one or two things that I didn't uh, know right away because I was doing all of this uh, research before I even inserted any CD of Ubuntu into my company computer. So I took a good look at it and I had one or two things that I wasn't able to work out. One of these things was how was I going to print on our multifunctional machines and uh, I think I also had a problem with connecting to our VPN. Now, in order to get this fixed, I went uh, to my colleague and asked for some help and looked online and uh, looked around for some help. It uh, turned out that installing the company multifunctional printers was a pretty daunting task, but that had been a task that had already been resolved by my colleague, so that wasn't really a problem. And the other part was that our VPN needed to work. Our company VPN, we have an SSL VPN, and uh, the software that uh, we use was also compatible using Linux. So I had a pretty good idea of whether or not I was going to be able to pull it off. Now, here comes uh, major item number two. Ask your superior. I mean, the one thing that you don't want to do is become unprofessional. Your working place is your working place. It is not your personal computer laboratory like you have that at home. And you cannot afford or you, it's not ethical to spend hours and hours tinkering and tankering with Linux to get stuff working. While otherwise, if you would be just using XP, you would have been you know, up and at it and out of the building uh, 10 minutes later. You can't fi figgle around on a opening up a Word document and work on that for two hours straight while the only thing that you need to do is open up the Word document and make sure that you get your work done. If you do need to tinker tanker to get your basic stuff working, make sure that you do it, do it during your lunch hour or during your free time. I actually came in at work an hour early uh, for three days to have uh, the experience of working in the corporate network but not being on company time because I just thought, you know, this is my experiment and this is something I want to do and uh, that was okay with my boss. If you have a really cool boss and you can sell him the idea that, look, I'm going to take a look at running free software here, see if we can do it, and I might be able to save us a lot of money if you uh, expand this little experiment to other users, well, that's great. That's a great selling point. You get to play with Ubuntu and you uh, also get to, uh, you know, promote Ubuntu to the rest, but make sure that your company is able to support all that. Don't uh, fall into the trap that suddenly you're going to become the only geek who knows about this new toy and everybody is going to come to you for support. If you're the only help desk in the building, that's okay, but if you also have other tasks to run, you don't want to do that. So I kind of, you know, uh, looked at everything and... Um, looked at uh, the whole uh, the big picture about what did what was it that I needed to do was I able to do all this and how was I going to do all this so I came to all the points where I basically had worked out that everything that I would be uh, would be uh, having to do everything that I needed to do uh, would be doable in Linux on to chapter 2 we were looking at my work laptop I took my work laptop home and I installed Ubuntu Linux on it. 
Now, there's not really a problem there, uh, and if you just want to, you know, blow away your uh, Ubuntu, your Windows Vista installation and install Ubuntu, but in my case, I went looking for a fallback scenario. Should the need arrive where I should be able to encounter, uh, where I should encounter software that was not compatible with my uh, Ubuntu installation, I needed a fallback scenario to fall back to the you know the main herd of Windows users. Now make sure that if you are going to try something special like this and you're going to say to, to the flock, you know what flock, you're all using XP and you're all using Windows but I'm gonna use something different. If you're gonna do that, that's cocky and uh, you better know what you're doing and you better uh, know that you need a fallback scenario should something go wrong. You just cannot go up to your boss and say like, I'm sorry, I couldn't get that and that and that done because it doesn't run on Linux. I'm sorry, I'm running an operating system that's not standard, that is not actually, you know, abundant in the uh, company and that is not supported. And because of this little uh, cocky experiment that I set up, I was unable to do my job. Make sure that you're always able to do your job. So have a fallback scenario that lets you, you know, run back to the flock, even to do this very tiny, tiny thing, or open up this certain type of document that you are unable to open up otherwise if you're using only Linux. So I installed a dual boot on my uh, company laptop, and it start the way that I did this is. Um, together with uh, some help from a colleague of mine, it's very ingenious because he thought it up. He said like, you know, if I want to work in my um, Windows system, I want to have my data at my fingertips. If I then dual boot into Linux, I want to have that same data at my fingertips. So what he actually did is he set up a Windows system partition he set up a Linux system partition and a Linux swap partition, and he set up a third common home partition on which he stored his data. So, I inserted the Ubuntu CD, rebooted the system, and I had uh, I booted into the live CD, and I started gparted. Now, I had my hard drive. My hard drive is 100 gigabytes. I had Vista on there. It ate up 100 gig. Uh, the, the partition was 100 gigabytes uh, large. So what I did, using Gparted, I resized the Vista partition to about 50 gigabytes, which should be enough. You know, you need to give Windows some uh, some uh, chance to grow and swell and bloat. So I gave it a le- uh, about 15 gigabytes more of space than it was already using. Then I made, I had uh, 50 gigabytes remaining. I made a uh, system partition, you know, a standard uh, ext3 partition uh, of about 10 gigabytes. The second partition I made was a swap partition of about 2 gigabytes. And the remaining 38 38 gigabytes I turned into an ext3 partition as well. Now, I rebooted and uh, again booted from the live CD, started the graphical install of Ubuntu and manually selected my partitions. I set the root partition to the uh, 10 gigabyte ext3 partition that I just ma- that I just mentioned. Then I set the swap space to the 2 gigabyte swap space that I just mentioned and I mounted the home drive onto the 38 gigabyte ext3 partition that I also made a little bit earlier. 
the dual boot bootloader. The Grub boot bootloader is, of course, set in the master boot record, so I didn't have to worry about that. And I rebooted, I installed and rebooted the system. Now, Ubuntu was installed uh, in a system partition, it had a swap partition, and it added separate partitions for its home drive. Now, that's all fine and dandy. Now, I still had my uh, data, my Windows data, on my Windows machine. Enter a nice application called ext2ifs. That's ext2ifs. That's a Windows. It's a Windows application that allows Windows to read ext3 file partitions. You can do it the other way around. You can say like, okay, I'm running a Ubuntu system, and I'm gonna gonna enable Ubuntu to read ntfs. But uh, I was going to go the other way. I was going to enable uh, xp or Vista to read. EXT3. Now, with EXT2IFS, you can mount EXT3 partitions in Windows. I installed the application and it immediately asked me which which EXT3 partition I wanted to mount in my uh, Windows partition. So I selected the partition that I used for the home uh, drive, you know, the 38 gig EXT3 partition where I had mounted my home drive. That's all fine and dandy. I uh, attached, uh, I mounted that drive to the Z drive of my XP system, and there was my home drive. Nothing wrong with that. I saw a folder in there with my username because I had already logged into my uh, Ubuntu system. Clicked on it, and I was inside my Linux home folder using Windows. Now, all I needed to do was remap the My Documents folder to that very directory. So the my documents of my Windows partition were now actually residing into the data into the home folder of my Linux partition. All of that using ext2ifs. So that way, no matter if I log into my Windows partition or my Windows system, or I log into my Linux system, I am always looking at the same data partition. That's a good thing because I now can easily reinstall my system, my Linux system or my Windows system should I need to because all of my data is on a separate partition. Now, with the Windows part set up, I kind of thought, okay, it's time to forget about all that and go into uh, Linux. I booted into Ubuntu and I configured all of the updates and all of the upgrades and I broke my system. Because one of the latest upgrades um, in GNOME at the moment kind of broke my evolution. My evolution needs to connect to our exchange server and one of the updates kind of broke that so I was unable to send out any mails using our exchange server. So I had to rebuild the Ubuntu system, but because I held on to the different home partition, I didn't need to swipe my data. So I went back and I reinstalled the Ubuntu system and I didn't do any updates. Now I know I can do the security updates and I know that there, I, if I deselect everything that has to do with evolution and everything that has to do with GNOME, I can basically do all of the other updates. But quite frankly, I wasn't really that interested. I think I'm gonna wait a little bit with upgrading because you are really working with a production machine and it can go wrong, really, really wrong, really, really fast. I mean, I was uh, I installed my Ubuntu system, configured Evolution, and I was very proud. Then I did all the updates and then Evolution didn't work anymore. So I think if there's one thing that's holding 
Ubuntu back from the corporate environment, it's a good mail client that connects to um, to Exchange because basically a lot of people are using Exchange and Ubuntu should find a great client that just works with that. Now some of you might be shouting like, oh, it's not it's not Evolution's fault, it's Gnome's fault, or it's not Gnome's fault, it's Evolution's fault, or it's this or that fault. I don't really care. For me, basically, I was somebody who was trying to run Ubuntu in a corporate environment, and with a with the, and the only program that was available to me that could properly connect to the Exchange protocol isn't really the best and furthest developed application in the Linux uh, environment. Now, is it? Now, if if they just would fix Evolution or really pimp it out to make it, you know really really decent it would be awesome that was the one thing that I need to work with the most that didn't work just as good as I wanted it to so now I'm running a Ubuntu 8.10 out of the box and I'm unable or unwilling to do any updates so far might not be a good idea but I just you know I need to get my work done I need to send emails I need to receive emails and I you know if I want to continue this experiment of working with Ubuntu in my office I need to, you know, get work done with Ubuntu in my office, otherwise it's not going to work at all and this entire uh, experiment is going to fail. As for printers, uh, we have two multifunctionals, two Nashua Tech multifunctionals at work and they all uh, worked with uh, some kind of legacy laser jet driver. And they work pretty nicely. Uh, I installed um, the Fumatic printer drivers to get the printer working. And uh, that worked. That worked nice. That was absolutely not a problem. Um, Ubuntu was even smart enough to look for the printers on my network, and I just connected to them, selected the right drivers, and that worked right out of the box. Now, as for uh, Office, uh, a lot of people in our office already work with uh, Windows 2000, uh, Office 2007. And I don't like Office 2007. I don't like the ribbon. I can't get used to it. Call me old-fashioned. Call me an old fart. Call me a conservative. I don't care. I don't like it. What I even like less is the DocX format. We have had the Doc format for so many years. Suddenly we need to change. And you know how it is. You have to mail something out to a client. And before you know it, you forget to save it as a dot dark extension and the client sends you an email back saying like I can't read this we don't have office 2007 blah 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 so I decided that for me personally the doc x standard is a step back in time it's a step back away from the standards so what I did I installed uh, open office 3.0 which works like a charm which is able to open doc x format but I have set the default uh, to save to just just uh, uh, dot doc format so that way if I push out documents they are readable by everybody if people are running office 97 if people are running office 95 if people are running office 2007 if people are running open office it doesn't matter they can get the documents that I send them they can open them read them edit them and do whatever they want with them that is open standards me uh, personally as a statement I will not send out um, documents in a proprietary format like DocX. 
don't do it. I don't send them out as ODF either because this is the corporate environment. It is not open source, open source Richard Stallman La La Land where everybody is uh, going, uh, we're only going to use free as in beer and, and, and nothing proprietary and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. I need to get my work done, okay? So I send it out in dot .doc format. Might not just, it might not ring right with Mr. Stallman and I'm sorry, Richard, but you know, that's the real world out there and I can be very happy that I'm using open source software as it is instead of using proprietary Vista or God knows what what else I would have to use to get my work done. Now, basically, I was doing what everybody in the office was doing. I mean, I could read PDFs, I could read uh, Word documents and Excel, I could save and edit Excel and Word documents, I could chat to my friends, I used uh, Pigeon instead of uh, IM, we use a lot of IM at work, Um, and I was also able to connect to our Exchange server, I was able to connect to our LDAP server, because pretty good, uh, Evolution did do a pretty good job there, I just gave it the uh, IP and the configuration address of our uh, exchange server and it immediately found the LDAP directory with all of the contacts and stuff so that was that was pretty good stuff so I was really happy and I decided to take it a little step further because you know you can say I'm using something different well, and they walk past your laptop and they say like ooh what are you using I'm using Ubuntu Linux what's that it's Linux ooh it's different yeah sure it's different but you can also say look it's better. So what did what did I do? I installed um, uh, the uh, GNOME PDF reader, so which is uh, basically uh, the GNOME PDF writer, which basically is a grub printer that lets you print to PDF. So I installed that, and now I had an actually actually had a printer that would allow me to print documents straight to PDF, just like you would when you would using would be using a Mac. Now my PC friends had a hell of a time to get this working. I mean, they had to install Adobe Acrobat Writer, and they had to take a look at the licensing and stuff like that. And I was tapping my chief on the shoulder going like, hey, look, PDF, you know how much that costs you? Nothing. So make sure that if you are using open source software, point out the fact that, hey, I'm saving you, I'm saving, that you're saving your boss some money. These tough economic times that will surely ring a bell because if you are using open source technology and you're using it uh, in such a visible way as being the only brown coat, if I can call it like that, serenity pun, uh, being the only brown coat in a you know in a blue collared Windows world, you just you're rep- you're representing your community and you have to make sure that you do it right. So uh, the other thing that I installed was uh, Compass and the Compass Control Manager. Now I could, you know, switch really cool between all of my desktops and have my desktop effects enabled. I didn't make it too bling. It uh, still had to resemble a company laptop, but, you know, it was a little bit more advanced than the stuff that the other guys had. I have somebody sitting next to me who was using Windows 2000. Well, if you look at him, you know, going through his open windows and you look th- and you look at me, you know, zipping the cube and stuff, it looks like I've got an operating system from the 24th century or something. And that is what it, that's what it's all about. So that's a nice, nice experience to do. And if you get the chance to do so, I would surely advise uh, you to, to, to try it out. For me personally, you can say, well, uh, Nightwise, you might be a little bit of a Ubuntu advocate. Well, maybe I am, but for me, 
my motives are very personal. I mean, I don't really like Windows Vista. I'm very sorry, but I just don't. I think because I only have one gigabytes of RAM on my laptop of, at work, Vista isn't the fastest operating system on the planet. So using it wasn't really a nice experience. I really had to tone it down and, uh, and put away the aero glass or whatever it's called and basically be stuck with a, well, nagging version of Windows 2000. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And I didn't really like it. Now, since I'm using Ubuntu Linux, A, I have a faster system. Two, with the virtual desktops and all of the nice things like GNOME Do and stuff like that, I am much more productive than on my Windows system. And three, I learn a lot. I mean, I get a chance to learn a lot, and I have uh, made a little promise to myself that if I have a problem and I don't know how to fix it, I fix it in my own time, because for me, I learn stuff and I don't want my boss to pay company time when it comes down to me looking uh, out for new Linuxy solutions. But, on the other hand, for the community, I am hopefully doing something. I am not a programmer. I am not a bug tracker. I am not a bug fixer. I am not somebody who is uh, omnipotent and omnipresent in the forums. I just do my bit, and I do what I do best. I run my mouth off. So, I am the only brown coat in a Windows-colored world, running Ubuntu Linux in a corporate environment and doing everything the other kids are doing. And doing a little bit more, but most importantly, doing it a little bit cooler. And that is what it's all about. So if you want to promote open source software and open source technology, make sure that you know what you're doing, make sure that you, uh, you know, do it well, and make sure that you sell it to the rest. Because quite frankly, it's a very, very satisfying experience, and I absolutely loved doing it. I have a great job. I get to work on computers all day. Well, that's okay, that's spiffy, that's great. But I get to work on Ubuntu all day long. Isn't it great? Okay, that's about all I have time for on this episode of HPR. I hope you enjoyed my little rant about using Ubuntu in the corporate environment. If you want to get in touch with me, you can visit my website, www.nightwise.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-W-I-S-E.com. I do the Nightcast podcast, which is a podcast about tuning technology into your way of life. There is also the uh, Nightcast screencast. I... Uh, I do a video screencast and a video tutorial of using technology and open source technology in your daily lives. And there is also the DocuCast, which is a series of PDF how-tos that actually show you how it's done in a, well, easy-to-read-through manner. Uh, the blog's there as well. I, re I regularly post articles, and you can subscribe to all the content using the feed uh, that is posted on the website. Or if you're using iTunes, you can look for The Nightcast in iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, nightwise at nightwise.com is my email address, and you can find me on Twitter, www.twitter.com slash nightwise. And nightwise is spelled K-N-I-G-H-T-W-I-S-E dot com. Well, that's about it. Have a great day. See ya! Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.